just a bit of a preamble, a bit of a pre pre preliminary point about this is that a lot of people, they start doing dhikr and then they say, you know what, I don't feel anything. I get distracted, I am doing my tasbih or my moment of meditation but my mind is wandering, I don't feel palpitations in my heart or I don't feel um, some kind of heat or I don't get that experience that I've read somebody else get. And you know, you hear about how other people may have had certain experiences. You think, I don't get that, so you know what, I'm doing something wrong, it's a waste of time. Shaitan, uh, the, the devil tells you, don't, don't remember Allah. Go on, watch some YouTube videos or some uh, Facebook something or whatever, right? So, uh, this is beautiful. This is what he says. He says, do not abandon. Do not abandon remembrance and invocation because you do not feel the presence of God therein. Your job is not to feel the presence. Your job is to just to remember Him, basically. Right? Our job is to sit there. If we've dedicated 10 minutes, let me just do that for 10 minutes. His job is to carry on and accept it from us. Our job is just to do that. You just have to do it. Then he says, for your f then he says, he gives the logic behind it. He says, your forgetfulness or your heedlessness of the invocation of him, meaning if you didn't do it at all, your absence, if you missed it completely, is worse than your forgetfulness in your invocation of him. Right? For you not to do it at all is actually worse than you not concentrating on him while you're remembering him or while you're actually uttering those remembrances of God. Right? <laughs> بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا إذا نودي للصلاة
Wallahu khairur raziqin Sadaqallahul azim Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin Wassalatu wassalamu ala al-mab'uuthi rahmatan lil'alamin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa sallama tasliman kathiran ila yawmiddin amma ba'd So to continue in our series on the book of wisdom by this Egyptian scholar from several hundred years ago called Ibn Ata'illah al-Iskandari from Alexandria uh, This is wisdom or aphorism number 47 on page 129 It's actually one of... Uh, you have a few favorites, uh, so this is actually one of them. It's, uh, mashallah, it's amazing. This is what he says. He says, لا تترك الذكر لعدم حضورك مع الله فيه لا تترك الذكر لعدم حضورك مع الله فيه لأن غفلتك عن وجود ذكره أشد من غفلتك في وجود ذكره فَعَسَى أَنْ يَرْفَعَكَ مِنْ ذِكْرٍ مَعَ وُجُودِ غَفْلَةٍ إِلَى ذِكْرٍ مَعَ وُجُودِ يَقَضَةٍ وَمِنْ ذِكْرٍ مَعَ وُجُودِ يَقَضَةٍ إِلَى ذِكْرٍ مَعَ وُجُودِ حُضُورٍ وَمِنْ ذِكْرٍ مَعَ وُجُودِ حُضُورٍ إِلَى ذِكْرٍ مَعَ وُجُودِ غَيْبَةٍ عَمَّا سِوَى الْمَذْكُورِ وَمَا ذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ بِعَزِيزٍ Absolutely amazing. What a stage-by-stage description of the process. Uh, Just a bit of a preamble, a bit of a preliminary point about this is that a lot of people, they start doing dhikr, and then they say, you know what, I don't feel anything. I get distracted, I am doing my tasbih or my moment of meditation, but my mind is wandering. I don't feel palpitations in my heart or I don't feel um, some kind of heat, or I don't get that experience that I've read somebody else get. And you know, you hear about how other people may have had certain experiences. You think, I don't get that, so you know what, I'm doing something wrong. It's a waste of time. Shaitan, uh, the, the devil tells you, don't, don't remember Allah. Go on, watch some YouTube videos or some uh, Facebook something or whatever. Right? So uh, this is beautiful. This is what he says. He says, do not abandon. Do not abandon remembrance and invocation because you do not feel the presence of God therein. Your job is not to feel the presence. Your job is to just to remember Him, basically. Right? Our job is to sit there. If we've dedicated 10 minutes, let me just do that for 10 minutes. His job is to carry on and accept it from us. Our job is just to do that. Right? You just have to do it. Then he says, for your f- then he says, he gives the logic behind it. He says, your forgetfulness or your heedlessness of the invocation of him, meaning, if you didn't do it at all, your absence, if you missed it completely, is worse than your forgetfulness in your invocation of him. Right? For you not to do it at all is actually worse than you not concentrating on him while you're remembering him, or while you're actually uttering those remembrances of God. Right? Then he says, perhaps 
or soon he will take you from an invocation with forgetfulness to one with vigilance. So stage by stage you learn it. Right? To one with vigilance and from one with vigilance to one with the presence of God. It's a stage by stage thing. And then from one with the presence of God to the one wherein everything but the invoked one will be absent. In fact, you won't even know you're doing dhikr. It's a very special status that is. You won't even know you're doing dhikr. <coughs> you doing dhikr is not even a fact. It's not even something you, you're concentrating because you're in it. You're like you're so in it that you're not an outsider anymore thinking, I'm doing dhikr. I'm remembering God. You're so immersed in it that you don't even think that. You're just focusing on Allah afterwards. You're not focusing on what you're doing anymore because it's just become kind of second nature. Right? That's ultimately the highest level. Anyway, And that, now just in case anybody thinks, it's very psychological, so just in case anything that's too complicated, I'm still on the first level. I'm not even at the first level. I don't even do it. Right? He says, and he quotes a verse from the Qur'an, and that is not difficult on Allah. He can give you that. So that's the one I'm going to look at today. You can see it's very beautiful. It's very, very logical. It answers a, a lot of the confusion and dilemma and the doubts that come into our mind. So this is what the commentator is going to say. So firstly, what's so important about remembrance? Why are we even talking about remembrance? Why should we even... Focus on this. It's not prayer, meaning it's not your ritual prayer that you do five times a day or your fasting and so on. So what, what, what is the remembrance of Allah? He says, Dhikr uh, is one of the, the, the strongest, one of the strongest integrals and foundations if you want to walk the path to God. You have to remember Him. What's the point of having a God if you don't remember Him? God is very jealous. He wants you to remember Him. He gave us everything. We owe everything to Him. So then, why don't we remember Him and thank Him? SubhanAllah, Allah bless a friend of mine. He gave me some really special oud the other day. Right? I don't want to distract us, but uh, I'm just giving you an experience. It's the first time I've worn it today. It's a mariochi oud that Sultan Qaboos had made him for himself. So it's from the 80s. It's, it's vintage. And Sultan Qab was one of the biggest connoisseurs of Oud, right? In the last, you know, he's, he's died now. So this is a mariochi Oud with Afghan rose that came out of a camel hide bottle with a gold-plated container. And a small bottle of that, three mil, cost 700 pounds, all right? So I put some of that on, and uh, I'm in Salat, and I can smell this. And it sounded, it's like a distraction, right? Because you're enjoying the smell. I mean, uh, smells are more powerful than sight, right? Because you hear something, you, you smell something before you can even see the person. You know, good or bad smell. So, um, I'm there, I just stood for prayer and I can smell this and I can smell it now. And it's like, you know what, this is not... Then the way that... You deal with that, or the way I try to deal with it is, okay, who, who, may, who produced this wonderful smell? It's Allah. So it's the creation of Allah ultimately. And thank Allah for giving it. You know, thank Allah that He's allowed us to stand in prayer with this beautiful smell. Let's not focus on it. Let's get from the smell to God. Because God is the creator 
of everything, of the smell and the fragrance and the beauty and the beauty behind it. How many characteristics of Allah in that? <coughs> the beauty of Allah, the sophistication, the elaborate. Uh, you know, if you understand perfume, this is a very elaborate perfume, right? All of that is are the signs of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So enjoy the world, but just think of the Creator of it. Subhanallah. What else are you going to do? You have to think of the Creator, that He wants us to remember Him. He gives us this. Subhanallah, Allah gave it to me without me asking for it. So why not thank Him? Don't you get things? Don't Allah give you so many things that you've never asked for? You don't work for everything you get, do you? Yeah, that is the system of the world, is that you work hard to get what you want. But many times things come to you that you don't even ask Allah for. So why not think about that? Why not th- thank Allah for everything and anything? So... Remembrance of Allah is an, the absolute foundational, uh, integral, uh, if you want to walk the path to God, and it is, one of the most, uh, it is one of the most virtuous of deeds in Islam. In Islam, remembering God, just sitting down or walking around or at work and you're remembering God, whether verbally uh, uh, with your tongue or in your heart, that's what all Allah wants. He just wants us to remember Him. And remembering Him is multifaceted. Remembering Him to thank Him for something He's given us. Remembering He means asking for something we want. There's a difficulty, so it's literally remembering Allah that, Oh God, make this easy for me. That's also remembrance. Remember, it's not just sitting down with the rosary beads or tasbih, you know, and, and uh, moving there along. That's not the only dhikr there is. That's just the style of dhikr, uh, of remembrance. So then... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 152, So one of the benefits is, you remember me and I'm going to remember you. So if we want Allah to remember us, then we have to remember Him. And what it means for God to remember us is that He looks after us. He cares for us. He takes everything into consideration that's happening and He's there for us. <clears throat> then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu thkurullaha dhikran kathira, Surah Al-Ahzab. Remember Allah abundantly. That's why we have to do this as much as possible. Remember Allah abundantly. And what all dhikran kathira, some people have described that. Abundant dhikr just means that you don't forget Him. That's a very good definition, that you don't forget Him. Because a lot of people would think that dhikr means I must sit down somewhere and again, you know, go through various different utterances. No, it's remembering Him, it's constantly having Him in the heart in everything you do. Uh, just recognizing that everything comes from Him and that everything uh, must, I, I must ask Him for everything there is because ultimately everything is in His, in his possession and in His control. Ibn Abbas anhu says that, look, there's many worships, many devotions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made obligatory. For example, your five times daily prayer and so on. He says, for them, there's a specific time, right? You're supposed to do them in that time. If you don't do them, then you can make them up later if you miss them, for example. But you're not supposed to, you're, you're not obligated to do them all times. Therefore, those specific times and that's it. That's most other worships, right? Your hajj, your pilgrimage, your fasting, your, your obligatory prayer and, and zakat and so on. However, he then says, Except remembrance, except this remembering God. He says that doesn't have a specific time. Allah is not telling you, you must remember me. There is no fard dhikr at all, except within prayer and so on. 
right? Obligatory. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَإِذَا قَضَيْتُمُ الصَّلَاةَ When you finish your prayer, so you've done your formal prayer, right? Your five daily prayers. So we've just done our Isha prayer. Then Allah says, فَذْكُرُ اللَّهِ Now remember Allah. Hey, I just remembered Allah. I've just remembered Him in my prayer, right? He says, no. Now remember Allah. قِيَامًا وَقُعُودًا وَعَلَى جُنُوبِكُمْ Standing, sitting, and on your sides. That shows you this is a very organic, second nature, right? <coughs> type of remembrance we're talking about. It's just remembrance with that. I'll, I'll go into that a bit more. But you don't, you've done your formal prayer, now remember him just as a part of your life. Right? Somebody said, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, you know, there's so many features of Islam that I need to uphold. I Meaning there's, there's many responsibilities in Islam that I've got to uphold. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of things. Now, what I want you to do, and these are talking about probably option lacks. He said there's so many different option lacks. If you do this, if you do that, you get this virtue, that virtue. It's all getting a bit confusing to me, right? Or uh, getting a bit clouded for me as to what I should do. So then he says, فَأَوْسِنِي بِأَمْرٍ just guide me and counsel me regarding just one thing by which I can make up for everything I've lost and make it very simple and uh, concise for me. I just want something, just give me one small thing that I can do that will allow me to compensate essentially for all the time that I've wasted. Right? What can I do? The Prophet ﷺ said it very simply. He said, Your tongue should just remain moist with the remembrance of Allah. Whenever you can. Astaghfirullah, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, all praises to Allah, glorified is Allah. The Prophet ﷺ said that if there is a person who has in his lap, so he's got this huge stock, right, in his land of dirhams, of money, of pounds or dollars or whatever it is, that he's distributing. Now you know how uh, distributing charity is such a praiseworthy act and it holds a huge reward, right? He said there's a person who's doing that and there's another one who's just sitting there remembering Allah. <coughs> he said that the one who's remembering Allah is superior to this person. Now this next hadith is an absolutely beautiful hadith. It's a very famous hadith. He said the Prophet ﷺ once said, shouldn't I tell you, should I not inform you of the best of your deeds? And the purest of your deeds according to your God, uh, according to your sovereign. And the highest, uh, the, the, the highest of your deeds to uh, the most elevating of your status, uh, the most elevating deeds for your status. That will get you the highest. And uh, those deeds which are more superior for you than spending uh, gold and silver. Uh, it's more beneficial uh, and virtuous than spending gold and silver in the path of Allah. And it is also more superior for you than you meeting your enemy, confronting your enemy, and then you basically give them a good fight. He strikes you and you strike them, right? Um, you know, you have to defend yourself, you meet your enemy, you have to defend yourself, right? So the, they ask, what is that, Ya Rasulullah? What can be superior to all of these things? And he said, remembrance of Allah. Now, this doesn't mean that they're all mutually exclusive ideas that you remember Allah and you don't do anything else. You don't spend on others and so on. 
It is just that that is the powerhouse. And if you don't have the remembrance of Allah, you could be spending, but you're losing a lot of opportunity cost. Remembrance of Allah. What that remembrance of Allah will do that when you give charity, when you assist somebody, it will be much more potent. It'll be for the right reason. It'll be much more altruistic for God rather than uh, for selfish reasons. That's what remembrance does. The heart softens and then you do things with more sincerity rather than for selfish gains. That's the benefit of dhikr. That's literally the benefit of dhikr. The more dhikr you do, you'll become less arrogant. Uh, as long as you, or because sometimes you do dhikr and you start getting arrogant. So you have to overcome that first, right? But once you overcome that and realize it's all from Allah, then your heart softens. And then after that, you don't feel uh, superiority complex as such. Uh, you attribute everything to Allah. So even if you have a lot of qualities and abilities and capabilities, you relate all that to God. You thank God for that. So you're humbled by that. And you realize it could be taken away anytime because it's from Allah. So literally the light of Allah gets into the heart. And the hardness of the heart disappears. And that's the benefit of it. Massive benefit of remembrance of Allah. It's the way to soften the heart. Ali Karramallahu Ali radiallahu an, the companion of the Prophet. He said, Once I asked, O Messenger of Allah, which uh, path is the one that will take me closest uh, to God, to Allah, and which is the one that's most easiest for human beings to, uh, to follow, and also the one that is seen as the most virtuous according to Allah? Give me one path like that. So the Prophet said to me, Ali, um, just constantly remember Allah. Constantly remember Allah, remember God. So Ali radiallahu said, but everybody remembers God. I mean, in his time, everybody's remembering God. So he's like, everybody remembers God. So what do you mean? Literally, he was saying like, what? Everybody remembers Allah. So I, I'm asking you for something extra. So the Prophet said, Ali, remember the day of judgment. Everybody does remember Allah or lots of people do remember Allah. He said, the, pro- the day of judgment cannot occur meaning the last day of this world cannot come until there's somebody on the earth who's taking the name of God. That's the nourishment of the earth. So, yes, people have to be remembering God for this world to continue, to sustain itself. The day there's nobody left, the day that the world will end, it doesn't get its uh, uh, nourishment anymore. I know that sounds a bit unscientific because I don't think anybody's tested out. Hey, let's do a test. So we want everybody in the world to stop remembering Allah for one hour. Let's see what happens. That's the only way you can test this out, right? To try to falsify it. I don't think that's ever going to happen, is it? Right? So it's very difficult to prove that scientifically, but spiritually that is the case. Okay? So then Ali radiallahu said, Okay, fine. كَيْفَ أَذْكُرُوا uh, he didn't say that to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Like, okay, fine. You know, I mean, like, that's just the way I'm saying it. How, can, how do I do this remembrance? How do I undertake this remembrance? So he said to him, close your eyes. Close your eyes and then re- listen to me three times. So close your eyes and just absorb this from me three times. And then say it. You say the same thing and I'll be listening to you. So then the Prophet said, La ilaha illallah. I don't know how strong this hadith is. It's related by a Sufi. 
right? I wasn't able to check it out, how strong this hadith is. I've never heard it before. I've just mentioned that to you, but it's a, um, if it's correct, it's beautiful. La ilaha illallah. Three times, very powerful. La ilaha illallah is the most superior dhikr. So he said this three times, uh, uh, and, and then Ali anhu said it three times. Now the author, uh, or rather the commentator, whose name is Ibn Ajiba, he says that Ali radiallahu anhu took this and related this same thing to Hassan al-Basri radiallahu anhu, rahimahullah. And Hassan basri rahimahullah, he then... <coughs> passed this on and communicated in the same way to a student of his called Habib al-Ajami. Then this Habib al-Ajami did it, gave it to Dawood al-Ta'i, rahimahullah. That's a more well-known name. He gave it to Ma'roof al-Karhi from Iraq, from Baghdad. Ma'roof al-Karhi, very famous. Wali of Allah. He gave it to Sari al-Saqati, his student. And he gave it to Junaid al-Baghdadi. And you should all know Junaid al-Baghdadi. Right? And then after that, it carried on. That's where these uh, so-called Sufis, they give you la ilaha illallah to read. And Allah knows best. Right? It definitely started somewhere because that is what they give you to read. Right? So it definitely started somewhere. And uh, la ilaha illallah is the most uh, superior dhikr anyway. So, he says, what is, ne- what is necessary in that case is for us to be remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all times as far as possible. Make every effort to remember Him every time you get distracted. And remembering doesn't mean that you have to utter something. It's about being conscious of Him. So every work we do, we start with the name of God. We start thinking about Allah, how He would like me to do this. When we're speaking to somebody, when somebody needs our help, when we need help from somebody, we're asking those things. Same thing, it's just about making it very, very um, a companion of ours in everything that we do. Because he says that, look, if you want closeness to Allah, what we call wilayat, wilaya is closeness to Allah, like a close friendship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you want wilaya, then you need to be given the portfolio for it, the job, job description, right? The manshur, they call that in Arabic, for wilaya, that is the remembrance of Allah. Right? So he says, that is necessary from the beginning of your path to the end of your path. One thing that you will never abandon is the remembrance of Allah. It doesn't matter who tells you, there's no way you can remember Allah. Because the more you do it, the more you will see the benefit and the more you'll never be able to abandon it. Because that is your dhikr. And then he says that whoever is given the ability to remember Allah, you know, as much as possible, whenever, or, you know, whatever little as possible, that person has been given that portfolio. He's been given that task. He's been given that job and that position. And he says that whoever abandons dhikr, it means that he has been dismissed. That's what sounds bad to me. That's what sounds quite disappointing if that happens. That when you don't do dhikr, it's like you've been dismissed. You're not on this job anymore of being close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, what's interesting here, this is a bit of a slightly complicated, slightly complicated. He says that what happens now is as much as you can remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and as much as you can get engrossed in the name of Allah, that is how much closer you can become to God. And 
as much distant you uh, as much distance as you may have from the remembrance of Allah that's how much uh, uh, from the remembrance that's how much distance you'll be from Allah himself of course not physically but in that sense so anybody who's serious about taking the path of Allah has to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as much as possible and then he says that you're usually going to start with your tongue that's how most people start their remembrance is reading certain you know certain remembrances and formulas with their tongue he says, don't ever forget doing that and don't ever abandon doing that just because your heart is not part of it. Just because you can't focus because you're distracted, you're thinking of something else. At least carry on with your tongue what you're doing. So do it with your tongue, even if your heart is completely somewhere else. Because your negligence from dhikr itself, meaning not doing dhikr itself, is actually much worse than you just being negligent while doing dhikr, while remembering Allah with your tongue. Your heart is not present, that's a much better than your tongue uh, completely being absent from the remembrance of Allah. Why? Because if you don't remember Him at all, even with your tongue, that means you've completely ignored Him. You're completely dismissing Him. At least in the other way, alright, at least He's there. At least He's there. He's not concentrating, but at least He's there. At least He comes to class. At least He comes to the prayer. At least He comes to work. The other one guy doesn't even bother showing up. What are we paying him for? He doesn't even bother showing up. Right? And he says that at least with that tongue, you've got some kind of attention. You've got some kind of focus. And even that's valuable, to be honest. It's valuable, that's why. And um, he says that, look, you know when you're at least doing it with your tongue, you're at least adorning your tongue with the remembrance of God. With the name of Allah, at least you're tongue is being adorned and embellished and perfumed with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you don't have that then that means there's nothing of you even if you can't do it with your tongue if you can't do it even with your tongue then there's no part of your body that is engrossed in the remembrance of Allah you're completely devoid of it there's nothing somebody was asked why is it that we remember Allah with our tongue sometimes and our hearts are totally devoid? So the person said, forget, don't focus on that right now. Just the fact that you're already asking that question is probably a good enough indicator that you are concerned, right? But his answer was, just thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he's given you the ability to remember him even with your tongue. Because if he dismissed you even from that and occupied you from doing that as well, then you would not be able to do that either. Even that is a bounty from Allah that He's allowed you to, uh, to remember Him with His tongue. That changes the whole thing now, doesn't it? Shaitan wants us to forget that. They think that, oh, that's just you trying and it's not worth it because it's not worth it. No, Allah's the one giving you the ability to even say things with your tongue. Take His name with, his tongue, with your tongue even though your heart is not there. Inshallah, He'll give you the heart as well. Just as the way He gave us his t uh, the tongue to remember. So a person should uh, carry on remembering Allah with the tongue until Allah then will open up the door for him to remember him with his heart as well. So one door is open. We just need the other bigger door to the heart opened up. That Allah will open up. But remember, he's already opened up one door for you. So then once you then do that, then you'll remember Allah. You'll then be awake in your heart. That's how we'll start off first with, wake, with wakefulness in your heart. What that means is that you'll know you're doing something. You'll know that you're remembering Allah at that point. Then after that, it will go from there that you will actually start feeling the presence of God. 
First, you'll just start knowing that, yes, I'm talking to Allah. I'm taking his name. I re I'm conscious of that. Then after that, you'll actually start becoming conscious of a presence of Allah. Not physical, but it's just that you'll feel Allah's attention. First, you have to feel your own attention on Allah. Then you'll start feeling that Allah is attentive to you. That's the third stage. Until you will then become satisfied. So one is, I know that I'm trying my best for you, but I don't see you responding. Then when I see you responding as well, and I'm fully committed, and you're of course committed, then how beautiful is that? That's when the union, that's when the proper correspondence takes place, even, you know, with, uh, with somebody else. That's when the heart will become full, mutma'in. You know this, nafsul mutma'inna we speak about. So then the person will be constantly remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, he says that though is the dhikr of the, dignif uh, of the elect. Those who have done a, very, uh, a lot of effort and have gotten to that position. And he said the earlier dhikr we talked about where you're at least to, uh, doing remembrance with your tongue and not feeling in your heart. Then he says, هذا ذكر awam. That's how you start. That's the laity. That's how they do it first. But now you know which level we need to get to, which is we can constantly do that enough to become focused, inshallah. He says, if you then carry on now, even beyond this higher status, where you feel connected with Allah and you realize that He's present uh, with you, he says, if you carry on like that, Allah will then raise you, raise you, because you're still an outsider yet, knowing that you're having this conversation or this correspondence or this intimate discourse. So far, you're still conscious of that. He said, after that, what's going to happen if you carry on, there's still a stage higher than that, which is you won't even be an outsider anymore. You'll be so immersed in it that you won't even see yourself doing it. You'll just be doing it. You'll be oblivious. You'll be in the zone. You'll just be doing it in this hardwired way, completely immersed in it. And he says, what's going to happen is that you will then sense the light and you'll get absolutely engrossed and drowned in this light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until nothing else around you will matter anymore <clears throat> at that point that you're into this status you won't, you won't notice what's going on uh, we, we learned this very simply from the Sahaba we had this Sahabi there's two of them they were on night duty these two companions they were on night duty uh, for their contingent of forces against the enemy anytime they could have been attacked so they had these two guys looking after the the boundary for them so one said to the other you know what you go to sleep i'll keep the watch and in order to do that he started praying he started praying salat now as he starts praying one of the enemy guys who's come through to find out what they're doing here he sees him praying so he says let me test him shoots an arrow at him and this guy carries on praying. He feels it, but he carries on praying. He's just so immersed that he carries on praying. Shoots another arrow at him. <coughs> that maybe is this a tree or something? I don't know. He shoots another arrow at him. And I think it was on the third arrow, then he quickly woke his... He goes, now it's not about me anymore because this guy's going to think I'm some tree trunk or something and they're going to attack us. So let me wake the other guy up. How can you, how can you sustain three arrows and carry on praying? Any of you can do that? You want to try? Right? I mean, 
can you believe that? Like, how do you, how do, you do that? Because you're so engrossed and what you're getting out of there is so much more greater than the pain. You know, silly example, but sometimes, you know when you have some really tasty food, but with a lot of chili? So, look, one is chili food, and the other one is tasty food. They don't have to come together. For some people, just loads of chili with no balance in the other spice is, drives them. I find that silly because that's just chili. But if you have a lot of chili, but there's the spices to go with it, a complex spice mixture that, you know, whets your appetite and you, you get the understanding of that, then it might be chilly, then your eyes will be watering and your nose will be watering and you'll be sweating, but you'll be enjoying that. Pain, but it's enjoyable pain. I don't know if that explains the, the prayer. It's a bad example. That's eventually what people get to. And then he says that, uh, La ilaha illallah. La ilaha. He talks about much higher levels than that, and I'm not going to go into that. It's going to be very confusing, right? This much I think is quite comprehensible at least on a theoretical level, right? And Allah make it a reality for us. There's a lot higher levels that he speaks about, but he does end with the fact that Ibn Ata'illah says, this, don't think this is complete. It sounds so far-fetched. It sounds so distant for us that how much effort, we're on the first stage, but keep carrying on, be regular, fix a time for yourself that you're going to remember Allah until that dominates and then we keep remembering Allah each time. Right? We keep remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala each time. So something distracts you, remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You want something, remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have to habituate ourselves to that. And then inshallah he says, and this is definitely not difficult on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, for that to happen to us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this an absolute reality for us and make this path very easy for us and uh, protect us from the various different confusions that go about and the distractions that we have and you know Allah shows us show us the path uh, we ask if we ask him he'll show us the path that's one thing that Allah will definitely and answer so if you want x y and z of the world right you may get it you may not get it Allah may give you something else for it right but one thing that he definitely always answers is guidance because there's no other there's no compensation for that if I ask Allah for guidance you know the three ways that you're Duas are accepted that he either gives you what you're asking for straight away or he removes a calamity and doesn't give you that because it's not good for you to have that right now, right? Or he then rewards you of that here in the, in the hereafter. When you ask Allah for guidance, there can't be a replacement for that. Guidance is guidance. So I don't think that works. The guidance has anything to do with these three. You ask for guidance, you'll get it as long as you know, you're not opening the back door. Uh, you're asking for guidance, but you're doing everything wrong there is, you know? That, that's kind of wrong. But if you're serious about guidance, anybody... Even a person who doesn't believe in God, but somehow in there there is a light, and they, they're like, God, if you're there, help me. They'll get it. Numerous examples you know, of that. So God is always there to help if you ask Him, but we don't thank, ask Him enough. You know, we, we rely on our own, our own um, abilities and, and friends and things like that. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let's uh, stop here. Uh, I'm going to read to you what, Ibn, uh, what uh, the, com the other commentator in English says about this. He says, Many people complain of a lack of concentration in their invocations and the incidence of stray thoughts. Some even abandon invocation on account of this. The Shaykh 
rahimahullah therefore advises such people that one should not abandon invocation because of a lack of concentration. The lack of concentration is only one calamity, but at least the existence of invocation is with one, even though it is accompanied by forgetfulness. Yet in the event of abandoning invocation altogether, it will not be simply invocation without concentration, but the loss of the invocation itself. This state of abandoning invocation is therefore extremely grave. Invocation with forgetfulness is definitely far superior to the total abandonment of remembrance. In the state of invocation with a heart that is negligent, at least the tongue is involved with invocation. However, in contrast to the state where both tongue and heart are inert, having abandoned the invocation of Allah Most High, then even mere verbal invocation is a valuable treasure. Providing encouragement, the Shaykh further adds that it is quite possible that Allah Most High may improve the quality of one's invocation. The initial invocation without concentration can progress to the stage where concentration will be achieved and stray thoughts will cease. It will then be the invocation of wakefulness and concentration. In this stage of invocation, the heart will not drift towards the stray thoughts of the ego. The verbal invocation at this time will keep the heart alert and one will then taste pleasure in this very invocation. The progress will then continue to the stage where the spiritual presence of the heart accompanies the invocation. This is the achievement of the heart's attention to the verbal invocation. In a state of spiritual presence, invocation becomes the attribute of the heart. That's what we want. We want the dhikr to become a characteristic of the heart so that it starts doing it by itself. Just as seeing is the attribute of the eye. Do you have to tell your eyes to see? If they're open, they'll see, right? So we want our hearts to always be remembering God without having to tell it to, be that, uh, to do that. This, thus, invocation becomes the permanent attribute of the heart. However, in this latter stage, the heart does, still perceives itself to be in possession of the attribute of invocation. This is the higher level. At least you're still, you're still going to be conscious that, yes, I am doing this. We want to get to a point where we don't even, we're not even conscious of that because there could still be ego in there. Ego will be gone when we don't even know that and we're just doing it purely because of God. Right? Here the spiritual traveler is conscious of his invocation being with concentration. Perception of even such a presence is still a kind of forgetfulness. What do you mean? That means you're still not fully concentrating on Allah, that you've immersed yourself so you don't even remember you're remembering Him. Do you understand? You're, not an out- you're still an outsider. You're not in the zone enough. You still know what you're doing. You shouldn't know what you're doing, almost like saying. You should be so engrossed, you don't even know what you're doing. Because you're so overcome and overwhelmed by Allah that you don't even remember your own part in it. Because the perception itself is an object. Your perception is an object besides Allah. Hence, there is even a higher stage of invocation where this inner perception of concentration perishes and is assigned to the realm of oblivion. It enters the domain of other deities that are negated in the invocation of the one true Allah. That also is an idol that you need to get rid of. At such a juncture, everything else is annihilated. In other words, invocation predominates one to such an extent that the servant's entire being becomes permeated by the invocation of Allah. You're totally taken over. If someone expresses amazement thinking that such a lofty stage is unattainable, 
the Shaykh Rahimahullah provides the answer for this doubt. He says that this status, the attainment of this stage will be impossible by one's own efforts. I mean, I would say you have to keep trying and want it, but you won't be able to scientifically get it by doing X, Y, and Z. It's up to Allah to give that status once you've shown the effort. This spiritual station is the consequence of Allah's bounty. It is not difficult on Allah then. Once it becomes a bounty, it becomes easier. Because then he can just say yes and it's done. No effort needed anymore. So it is not difficult for him to bestow his uh, bounty to anyone. Therefore, never despair. I hope that was not too confusing. Some part of it was higher realm. But I can't um, fudge it over all the time. I think it needs to be understood. And you may have come across these kind of discussions about doing dhikr to such a degree that you don't even remember yourself anymore in that moment. This can't be 24 hours because you'd, be, you'd go crazy, right? Yeah, that, that's when you're in that remembrance. Because you have to eat and you have to do other things as well. اللهم انت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك يا ذا الجلال والاكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث يا حنان يا منان لا اله الا انت سبحانك انا كنا من الظالمين يا غفار يا فتاح يا ستار يا حفيظ يا سلام يا لطيف يا ذا الجلال والاكرام او الله have mercy on us او الله we ask you for your special mercy for your blessing for your special attention for your love for your blessings O oh Allah, for your forgiveness, for your generosity, for your clemency. O oh Allah, for your pardon. O oh Allah, forgive us our wrongdoings, forgive us our excesses, forgive us our distractions. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, O oh Allah, forgive us our negligence. O oh Allah, forgive us our confusions. O oh Allah, guide us aright. O oh Allah, guide us aright. Show us the truth as the truth and allow us to follow it. And show us the wrong as the wrong and allow us to abstain from it. O oh Allah, strengthen us. O oh Allah, strengthen our convictions. O oh Allah, strengthen our resolves and principles. O oh Allah, protect us from being without ethics, without principles. O oh Allah, to be blown around in the wind of the society that we live in. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, protect us from being just absolute materialists, consumers. O oh Allah, with no ethics. O oh Allah, allow us to be people of dignity and honor, people of humanity. O oh Allah, people of compassion, people of empathy. O oh Allah, make us of those who are concerned about the welfare of others and not just themselves. O oh Allah, allow us to overcome our egos and our selfish desires. Allow us to do that which is the best for us and for all of humanity. O oh Allah, allow us to share whatever good that we have with others. Allow us to become, allow us to be functional individuals, practical individuals. Allow us to leave a legacy. Allow us to be uh, somebody who's productive rather than somebody who's just constantly consuming much of the, the things that others put out and not having anything to contribute or to do anything and to become useful. O oh Allah, grant us halal and um, lawful earnings and halal and uh, lawful um, lifestyle and protect us from uh, all the unlawfulness that may be around what, though that which may include oppression of others or wronging others oh Allah protect us from that suffice us 
in everything with what is lawful away from what is unlawful. Oh Allah, we ask you for our brothers and sisters who are uh, suffering and in subjugation and who, ha- who, are, who are suffering under very, very bad conditions. That, oh Allah, you grant them steadfastness. And, oh Allah, you grant them patience, beautiful patience. And you give them a lot more back than what they are losing and what they have lost. Oh Allah, it's easy for you to do this. It's easy for you to do this. We can only ask you, oh Allah, the world is full of hypocrisy. Oh Allah, the world is just full of wrongs. Oh Allah, we ask that you set this aright for us. Oh Allah, you set this aright for us. Oh Allah, and you rectify this imbalance that has come about in this world. And oh Allah, these wrongs that are taking place, remove that. Grant dignity to our brothers. Grant relief to our brothers and sisters. Oh Allah, grant all these mothers and children. Oh Allah, all these people who have been killed. Oh Allah, grant them shahada. Grant them martyrdom, uh, status of a martyr. Make them close to you. And oh Allah, those who are injured, those who have lost, those who are deprived. Oh Allah, grant them a lot of steadfastness and give them a lot more back. And oh Allah, make them, grant them relief and dignity and honor. And oh Allah, allow us uh, to be productive individuals in this world and accept our gathering here today. Subhana rabbika, rabbil izzati amma yasifuna wa salamun al mursaleen wa alhamdulillah. Uh, the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time especially for example the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there the Islamic Essentials certificate which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that inshallah you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident you don't have to leave lectures behind you can continue to leave uh, you know to listen to lectures but you need to have this more sustained study as well jazakallah khairan assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh